You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kivalevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. We'll be able to get it proper. So here's the first mystery. First mystery really, um, uh, again, it was an actual case that occurred in B'nai Brak, and uh, maybe you could say only in B'nai Brak this question would have come up. Um, and it's actually uh, the source of my good friend, uh, not my, uh, my associate, Rabbi Daskal, who is on the Besden of a Mordechai Gross uh, in B'nai Brak. And he, every week, uh, publishes a, uh, a Tvar Torah, as you can see, even this week he has one, Binat HaMishpat, about, about Shavos that come up in Rabbi Gross's Besden. Uh, Rabbi Daskal is the main researcher for Rabbi Gross. Uh, Rabbi Gross is a very well-known posseg, uh, the Avdezna Chanichai Yeshivot, and uh, he, Rabbi Daskal, is his main researcher, and um, Baruch Hashem, uh, I'm able to get Rabbi Daskal's material and find out some inside stories about cases that occurred. So here's the case that happened, and we'll call it mystery number one. I call it the case of the airing, and again, I'm probably going to mispronounce this. I, I woke up my wife at like 1.30 in the morning. My wife is a uh, is a pastry chef, and she went to uh, she went to baking school. So I said, how do you say this again? Entre métier. Entre métier. The entre métier is the person in a, uh, in, a, in, a, in, a in a fancy kitchen uh, who is actually involved in producing the vegetables and getting the vegetables ready. He's not the sous chef. He's not the main chef. It's called the entree, like the entree is like the first course, and the ones in charge of that, entree metier. And in this case, the entree metier aired. Or, who needs the mashiach when the garde manger is on guard? The garde manger is actually the person who works on cold salads. So I don't know if this person, he might have been an entree metier, or he might have been a garde manger, but he was in, I don't know if that's what they called him in Benebrak, but that's what he, we would call him. Uh, and that's what he was working on. And here's what happened. Get straight to the case. And, okay. So, I guess this was his disposition. And you can see it right up here on the, on the screen. Ani obeyed the catering. Okay. <laughs> says, I'm a, I work in catering. I'm the old permitier. I'm the guard monche. So, what was my job? I eat the Torah lachnis with tov karagi the la harbe kusaot shalchina. We've got plenty of that over here. So in other words, what you have, Bachi, is, you know, your Hebrew, right? What you have over here, this is my daughter, Bachi, Bachi. So what you have over here is many uh, containers of Trina plain. Because you take Trina plain, and you make from Trina plain, you can now put them together to make a salad gonel, a wonderful salad, imagine that. Now, so the entremetier said, the gonel manger said, that as he was pouring it into a huge pan, a huge pot of all these all these trainers, he was about to put it in there. He saw one of the containers. He noticed. I don't want anyone to really uh, lose their appetite. Uh, he saw sherets, a small sherets, one of the containers in there. So he said, "Well, sherets. Does this long-term case?" And obviously, a man who you know had a certain knowledge of, of law. He said, "Well, here's a book." But I'm pouring, I'm going to be pouring a whole bunch of these containers in here. I'm going to make a huge pile. I know there's a principle in Jewish law called bottle the rope, meaning that there's more, much more of the trina than there is of that little wingy thing, that crawling thing. I don't want to get you to uh, out. But therefore, a bit that was going to happen is, you know what, let me just keep on pouring the rest, and it's going to be bottled. Did he figure out the shirt? No, that's the reason why. Yeah. That's the problem. <laughs> 
Now, again, this is B'nai Brock, so remember, there's a little bit of a different uh, sense of things, maybe. But he says, you know what? I, you know, if you, if you know what an altar metier and a garde manger, and I, I have this in the nursing home that I'm the rabbi master of as well, is that time is crucial. When I come in and say, oh, we have to recasher that, when I come in and say, hey, uh, we got to close that oven, we're busy, we got to get this stuff down, right? It's almost the most, <laughs> the nervousness and the anxiety there is up to here. So let's give him a little bit of slack why he didn't pick out the bug. He figured in his head, listen, I'm going to be pouring a whole bunch of stuff over here. And he kept on pouring them in. The Mashiach came around. Now, one of the things, and, and again, I, I'm not going to say, I don't know all the other Mashiachim that Rabbi Goldberg had, but I do know that Rabbi Goldberg put a premium on the person that he would choose to be Mashiach. It's not just somebody who never can't get a job anywhere else, and he's sitting around, and you know he's sort of like oh, he's on the skid anyway. So why don't we bring him in and have him sit there in a chair and snooze off? He was very mocked. The Mashiach should know something. In fact, he he tested me, Rabbi Goldberg, on the phone, uh, and he tested me when I sat with him. Uh, and again, I had Mashiach come to work on their beat. So okay, I, I didn't mind submitting to that, but I thought that was proper because that's what you're supposed to do. So the Mashiach came. And, and the, the entre metier told him what happened. And Mashiach said, what? He didn't take the bug out. It was a very, it was noticeable the way it was. That whole big trina that you wanted to do, we can't do that. We can't eat that. Why? And the principle, of course, is that a principle in your idea, that when you have a shared chalet, now again, I have to... I know we're eating, so it doesn't, right? It's when it's tahun, right? It don't actually be crushed up. So then, it's true, you're not allowed to eat that little critter. You can't really eat that material. But it can be bottled because it's not a barrier. When it's a complete item, when it's something that has the significance of being a complete object, so the principles of bittel don't apply. The principles of, oh, we have more of the, uh, of the other item than we have of this. Oh, we don't care. No, that's only true if the item is can now get mixed up or it's not complete. But if the object, even though it's tiny, but it was complete, and again, again there might be a question that I don't want to get into all the details, did it have all its antenna or whatever, but the point is, it was complete enough. You don't want to put the, want to put the food away now, that's all right. But the point being is that it was there, it was complete enough, the Mashiach said, that the only thing you have to do now is um, we got, can we find it? So they started looking through a little bit and started combing in and saying, uh, could they find what was going on? And of course, by this time, uh, there was so much of it, there was so much trina in there that they couldn't even recognize uh, the little critter. So what did he have to do? He had to throw that whole, uh, I don't know how much it was worth, but it was probably significant to the eyes of his boss that he had to throw all that out. So now he came to Rav Mordechai Gross of Negrach, and he asked him, okay, um, do I, should I really pay him? Was that my fault? I know I was working for him getting a salary, but do I, it, it was I to be blamed, because the machine told me did something wrong, is it my fault, do I have to pay or not? That was the question. So, we don't have much time, Let's take a show of hands. How many people? How many people would say that the, the, this guy who's not the Mashiach? He's only, like I said, he's a guard manger. He works. He's a religious man, and he's in that business. Would you? Would any? Do any of you think that he would have to pay uh, the boss back for the loss of all that tuna? 
Okay, so but if you think he's guilty, if you think that he would have to pay, why don't you raise your hands? Okay. Why would you think he had to pay? He has a responsibility. He knows that a sheriff is a is a sheriff. He if he has a the child, he has to rob the lunch. Or if the Ramash is not there, wait for the Mishkel. In other words, one of the problems I have, and, and, and Rabbi Goldberg, one of the things Rabbi Goldberg loves about, loved about Green Chickpea was the Erlochkeit of Ronit Marty, who he trusted. And I actually have, I've overseen the way uh, Ronit actually checks uh, in the vegetables and stuff like that. And that was part of the reason he told me that he has, a, he has very great confidence. But you have to be very careful that many times the people who work for the companies you give Ashraf for, they many times feel they know. And they've been in it so long, they already know how to make the decisions. Uh, even in the nursing home where I'm the Rabbi Machir, I constantly hear from the non-Jewish employees, oh, I, we know what to do here, Rabbi. Yeah, we've done that before. Oh, the last Rabbi did this, we just did the same thing. Okay, no. You have a question, you call me. Okay, I don't care. Oh, this is the way you did it two years ago? Oh, you know what's in the, the, the person who's the kitchen manager in the, in the nursing home where I work. He says to me consistently, he says, I could be a mashkiach. I know more than the, your mashkiach knows. Okay, that's a problem. <laughs> Basically, not not if it's true. The attitude is a problem. The, the, the point is, is that there needs to be, just like in any company, there needs to be a division of labor and understanding of who is involved in what. The problem is with Jewish things, what happens is everybody thinks they know everything. Okay? Many times I'll be sitting and, and people will come to me, and, and I, I run a little minion on Shabbos, and people come and ask Shailas to me. And people say, oh yeah, that's, that, that's bullshit, right? I was at a minion, again, without getting into too much of, a, of an aside, I was at a minion, uh, one of the minyanam that I am involved in a couple weeks ago, and someone came with a Shiloh. This might even make a new sheer about it. And, uh, he said, you know, I just got back from uh, the, the car dealership that they work on my car, and I found out that I, I, I looked under the car, and I see there are four brand new tires on my car. And when I... That's not what I ordered. I went in just for a regular brake change or whatever it was, and I came out with four new tires. So he was asking me. So one guy is sitting there and he's saying, oh, uh, "Did you ask for it? Uh, did he tell you? Um, you know, you didn't. You didn't say that. I mean, come on, uh, you got a gift over here." I said, "Hold on, one second. Hold on. Forget about the chutzpah of an answering in front of me. That's not right." <laughs> okay. He says, "Well, well, uh, you know, it was a Nanju. Nanju makes a mistake here. You can." I said, "Hold on." Wait one second. And then I explained to him, I said, first of all, the, 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 whoever that mechanic was who made that mistake and put four new tires, he's not the owner of the business. First of all, it's not so simple that you can just take advantage of a non-Jew right. because he makes a mistake. And there are so many conditions about that. And even if all those conditions are met, the guy who put the, 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 guy who put the <laughs> tires on your car wasn't the owner of the shop, he was someone who might have erred. If the owner would know about it, of course there's no way he would allow you to keep it. What I'm trying to say is, it happens to me all the time, and I see it, that people with a little bit of knowledge, people say, oh, I can already make the call. And most of the times, the call was wrong. And that's part of the reason, again, you have to know how not to throw your weight around. But this is what happened over here. So our entremete basically made his call. He, he went to yeshiva. He learned the idea of Bittu Barov. He figured the time is wasting. Yeah, there's no issue. Mashiach came and told him, hey, you were wrong. Maybe what he should have done is, hey, let's, we're going to stop the line for a second. Let me just call Mashiach over and say and ask him what we should do, which is not what occurred. So, but most of you are not, most of you are not with Mr. Allen. Most of you thought that, uh, that, uh, that, that he doesn't really have to pay. You, you know what? I, I okay, think why don't you think? Why do you think he wouldn't have to pay? Because he could have kept his mouth quiet. He could have said nothing. 
Okay, but he knows. The whole point is he's coming to Rabbi Gross to find out whether he's more... Coming, coming to find out after the fact? Well, they threw, the they threw, they threw the Tchena out. And then the block had to order new Tchena. And he's thinking to himself... You know what? And it's because of me that they had to that they had to bring new tina there. Whatever whatever the cost was, prove to Kamea. It could it could be it could be ten dollars. It could be a thousand. The point is, did did was he the one who caused that loss? Well, I think that in, in food preparation there is a certain um, what I would call I don't know, it's a leeway that you're allowed to make calls. No, well, no, I, I would say in terms of that um, there is wastage in production. And so they're not, you know, carrot chops on the floor. They're not, they're not, they're not it, it could all add up, for example. That's right. So, but, but that, that is factored into the what it preparation cost. I and, okay, but here, again, that, okay, so you know what? You're reading straight into the psaac. So, yes? It, if uh, if the, the bug flew into the tchina, or 100 bugs go into the tchina, and they right. took it out properly, yes. and the tchina is now kosher, would they have still sold that tchina from a health perspective? Okay. Of course. All right. So now you're asking. Okay. Now you're asking. In other words, if they would have thrown the tina out anyway because of the health perspective, then the cautious of the taking the bug out correctly or not, that doesn't really make a difference, and it shouldn't be liable okay. to. Pay. Okay. So you're saying that once that bug fell, but again, remember what happened. The, he found one container. Let's say. Let's say he had a bunch of containers from from a from a warehouse. So one container of tina, he's pouring in, and he sees the bug there. He says, "Oh, I'm going to pour these other ten containers." Let's say he finds it's one container with listeria. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll just get rid of this container. Everything else, I'm sure, is fine. Yeah. So you're correct. Mm. Again, I would. I, I can tell you again. I, I don't want to. We all have food here, but I can tell you that one of the things I used to work <laughs> as was I used to go to factories and work as a. Uh, I used to send from one of the big cashless agencies in America, and. One of the things when I went to quality control was they have a list of what's acceptable in terms of insect material. In fact, what they do is in the quality control area, they actually take samples, they run it through a special machine, and they note what is the amount of extra protein. Of extra protein. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a certain acceptable amount or not. So I don't know if the fact that there was that insect there would have would have made it. So again. But would that be a factor in terms of yes, his yes, it would. If it be true that once this is in there the thing is essentially worthless and they have no right to sell it, so the issue is a non issue. Let's go with the assumption okay. that let's go with the assumption that it was still a value. So here was the psaac the way it came down. So there's actually three elements here. So there's three it's a pretty short psaac, but here's the psaac. Here we go. So the first thing is that let's see if we have to see if we can make it a little bit larger. Zoom in. Okay. So, so everybody see that on the right? Okay. So basically, you have to think about it. <laughs> You're the 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 the, the, the guard manger. He is basically an automatic. So what does that mean? It's his responsibility to deal with this. Now, even though it's true that he's not a guy who's just coming over. To, to, to ruin stuff, right? Because basically we know he's an Uman. He's someone that's hired. And, but if a person that you hire to do a job ruins the thing that he was hired to take care of, as he quotes the Ramban, you're still a responsible person. In other words, the point is like this. You take a look where it says here, where I'm going to put the cursor here. Adam Amazik Domi so in other words, let's say you hire someone to move your stuff. You hire someone to work for you in your lab. So basically, 
his responsibility to the items of yours that surround him is like a hired uh, Bailey, a Shomer Sachar, someone that you hired to take care. Now we all know the deal, we all remember from Bob Metziah, but a Shomer Sachar is high for what? For, for Gneva and Aveda. Now that means you, you use your brain to say the type of protection he needs to have of this is a higher type of protection than let's say what we call the Shomer Pina. Now, even though a Ganif a person who's going to come and steal it, or who knows, it was there was there was a, there was a huge amount of, of activity going on, and the thing just got lost. That amount of protection is incumbent on you. Because you can't say I didn't mean it. You can't say, oh, I turned around and all of a sudden it happened. If you're paid to work in this company, you need to protect the items that are around you the same way a Shomer Sochar, someone who's been a Bailey, has been given an item that has to protect it. Now, your, your responsibility is not total, but it's similar to the responsibility that a Shomer Sochar, we would say, hey, you can't tell me that the item, why didn't you lock it up? I know there was a thief who wanted to steal it, but why did you leave the window open? Why didn't you double lock it? Why didn't you take better precautions? You know this is an area of thieves. Why didn't you wake up, uh, set your alarm that you could see what's going on? We say that to the Shomer Sahar. We would say the same thing if you had someone who's working for you, the entremate, also, even though he's the items around him, he's working for you, but he has responsibility to those items, similar to the responsibility that a Shomer Sahar has. The same way a Shomer Sahar can't say, hey, what do you want from me? Uh, I didn't steal it. You know what? I expect you to be up. I expected you to, to guard it. The same thing we'll say here. So again, as the Ram, as he quotes here, um, uh, the, the opinion of the Ramban, he says, <laughs> So if you basically were, were, were clumsy and you broke the stuff, we'd say, listen, you have to be better. Now, sometimes they gave a special dispensation uh, to people if they were movers or things like that and say, hey, we can't, no one's going to take your job if they think they're going to break your items. But generally, if you're not involved, your job is not to move this stuff. You need to have responsibility to the items that are around you. So, therefore, you have a dinner to show there. So, now, true, an ones you would be potter. A complete accident that was beyond your control, you'd be potter. So our entremetier, who was with the item, uh, what is he? Is he an ones? So the psak in the Besden was, Nezik said, ain't a big ones. Why? He can't just say, I know I know Jewish law. In other words, I know what I should do. You got a mashkiach. Okay, he's going to be here in five minutes. He's making his rounds. Uh, call him. Wait till he comes and ask him what you should do. And especially as we were saying, why, again, why do we just take the minute or so to take a spoon and take this fellow out of there? And therefore, he says, he fell, the Besant felt, hey, why didn't you do that? And even if we're not going to say that's Shia, that's negligence, it's definitely the type of responsibility you expect from a Shomer Sahar. It's definitely that level that you'd expect him to think or, or take that extra effort. And since you're being paid to do your job, so we can say, hey, you should have done it. Or asked. <clears throat> okay. Now the question is another one. And this gets to the one which I think why Rabbi, Rabbi Gross liked this question, why Rabbi Daskal printed it up. And that's the question is like this. Maybe the damage 
and this gets into what you were saying as well, the damage it's not to, it's not the damage to the, uh, to the big trina uh, material is called a damage sheeno nika. So let me explain what this means. So actually, the, I'm going to let the Shulchan Aruch say what it says. So take a look. It's on the second column. And I hope everybody can see it. Hamazik is chavero, hezik sheeno nikar. Okay? In other words, the damage is there because we live as halachic Jews. As a lot of Jews, this item is not worth what it was once worth. But on an objective level, on a level of the way the world would see it, nobody would say that it really has inherent less value. For example, the Shulchan Aruch says, Hugo, Sha'ir of Yayim Nesel, Vieno. So, in other words, basically, you have some wine, and somebody who really doesn't like you comes over, and he pours wine, which is wine that has already been used uh, in idolatry uh, activities. Which is wine, it's like a Bodhisattva itself, and he pours it into your wine. So, men, even though what he did was something awful, because now that you found out about it, you can't drink that wine, and it's basically worthless to you because you're a religious Jew, but the way the laws of the courts work, because we, that claim is a, is, is, is a halachic claim, we can't call you Adamanazik. Sorry, sure. just to clarify. Sure. So he's he's putter from damaging the wine, damaging your wine, but he's high of her other things, presumably, because he caused you his naive or something. He's right. Towards God, the question is, the, the question that came up with the best and was, the, the, is, the is, there, is there a debt? Is there, a, is, there, is, there, is, there, is there an actual debt? Okay. Clearly, he's not. Yeah. So in it's that case, debt. so the Chachamim, though, said that the Chachamim comes to the Chachamim say, we don't want people doing this. So the Chachamim say, and the rabbis will, uh, 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 the rabbis will impose this, uh, they will uh, legislate it this way, when it happens, they will rule this way, that the rabbis say, you need to pay the complete amount. Just like any masik. Of course, there's a difference, though. Because it's not a true debt, but it's a rabbinical debt, in order to make sure people don't do this type of thing, it's a debt only on the, uh, the, the, the perpetrator. In other words, when I damage someone, uh, that creates a debt, a lien on all my holdings. So even if I wouldn't live, my family would have to pay that debt because it's a real debt, a real actual um, uh, monetary debt based on an action that I did, but it generates a hischaivut, a, a, a lien on me and everybody that's connected to me. Whereas this type of debt, the debt of a hesek shenonikar, as you can see, it's the type of thing the Shulchan Aruch says that you need to pay, but if you're not around, we can't force your family to pay. Because it's about you, not about your children. You hear the difference, right? In other words, one is an essential debt that society recognizes and it's clear of damage, and therefore, of course, that we can, we can, we can, we can sue the estate. Whereas here, it's a try, we're trying to slap on the wrist to the perpetrator not to do that stuff anymore. And that's why we're making him pay. But it doesn't go to the children. Similarly, if he can show that, hey, I didn't, I didn't mean to do it. It happened, you know, I was sitting there carrying this wine, and all of a sudden, you know, somebody pushed me, and the wine slipped and fell. So there, 
If it would be, even though normally you would say, hey, you have to watch what you're doing, but this might be an onus. And an onus is part different pain because it's all about teaching the guy a lesson. So that only applies to amazing. So now, hmm, let's say this fellow, our entremetier, he basically erred in law. He felt what he had done, pouring the rest, was okay. That's called, in halacha, we call that omer mutar. I thought it was okay. He's not, maybe in a way, he's a, he might be considered the type of person who should have been more responsible in terms of his payment. Again, here we, we're bifurcating here. In terms of his responsibility in the job, he should have asked the question. But maybe, since this was basically a Hezek She'enolikar, because, remember, they looked for the bug, they couldn't find it, nobody could have noticed, unless they came in with the, the spectrograph, that there was uh, insect material in there. So basically, this trina was thrown out for halakhic reasons. It was like the wine that's been contaminated. So it was basically not, uh, it was, it was, it was Hezek She'enolikar. When it comes to Hezek She'enolikar, so the, the, revo- the responsibility is less, and therefore, that's as he says, even though as a shomer, you will be chayef, because this was a level of responsibility you should have had, you should have asked the question, you should have taken the bug out, but since what eventually happened was only a damage that was really unrecognizable, it's only a halachic damage, whereas the material itself was basically just as good, and maybe just as good as anything they would have bought in the store right there, because who knows what else is in there, but it's only because you knew, and you know, and the Mashiach now knows that they threw it out. So that type of halachic damage, maybe you wouldn't have to pay for in this situation. So therefore, is this called a Hesachshen Onikar? So this is where Rav Dasko and Rabbi Gross came up with a very big finish, which I'll share with you. Uh, and then we're going to get into the next case. So basically what they wanted to say is like this. That Hesachshen Onikar, even though the case I just told you, uh, you know, there's more wine in it than before, but really nobody can taste and, and really sense the difference. The reason being because you don't really even know that that wine that was being poured into the other one was really the wine of, from Avodah Zarah. The guy carrying it maybe knows it, but it's not like, you know, it's not like it, it smells different or tastes different. So essentially you have the exact same material, the exact type, same type of wine, and the halachic knowledge is what makes things different. And at no moment was there a sense, other than the halachic knowledge of the person having it, and what we know behind the scenes, there was never any moment that we could see the damage. It was all behind the scenes. Rav Shomazam and Arabach Develops, and that's one of the sources that I, I sent to you. He shows you from the Rishonim, uh, the Baleatosis, and the Ramban that if at the moment that um, here he says like this, at the moment that it occurred, it was Nikar, even though later it became different. Take a look. He says. He says. In other words, let's say it's not wine. Let's say what I'm pouring in there is, um, you know, is 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 is, is uh, chunks of breadcrumbs of truma. Okay, but then they will dissipate, and then when they sit with the wine, they will dissipate. And people will think they're just drinking 
chunky wine, but they won't. <laughs> the pieces will evaporate. Just to go, bear with me for a second, okay? So it's croutons of truma that fell into the fall into regular a regular drink. So that's min b'she'enomina. True, eventually it gets so mixed up that you can't tell where the breadcrumbs were. But at the moment that they fell, it was clearly a difference. That's what Shlomo Zalman says, that min b'she'enomino heavy hezek nikr. So, for example, if it was nikr b'shas hanezek, even though later things changed, and remember, when was the moment of the nezek here, when the entremetier actually notices the bug in there and doesn't take it out? At that time, before he pours the other jugs and gallons in there, at that point, it was nikar. So even though later, <laughs> you could say, well, we couldn't find it, if you go back to the moment of, 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 of what begins the problem, for, he said, for example, he says, let's say, you know, that shotness in a, in, a, in a piece of clothing is a big problem. You have to rip out the shotness from the clothing in order to wear it. So he says if somebody puts in a chut shotzemer, the begit pishtim shochaveiro, if somebody puts a, a string of, uh, of wool inside a linen garment, so even though the only time the whole garment is considered verboten, is when you can't tell where the shotness is, right? Because it's all woven and the garment becomes big. But that wouldn't be a hazard shame or nicker. Because the fact is, is the, the moment he put it in, it was clear that this was linen, this was wool. Eventually, it becomes this big garment that you can't tell and have to send to the shotness lab in Williamsburg for them to be able to tell where the, stri- where the, where the string is. But originally, at that moment, Oshoma Zalman says, you knew. And therefore, uh, the difference might be in another case. Let's say, for example, let's say you had meat and you have a big pot of milk. So if the moment that you, you, take, uh, you take the meat, the meat, a person, let's say, would dump the meat, uh, a big amount of uh, meat, not so, so big. <laughs> and let's say there would be... Um, it wouldn't. There wouldn't be six. There wouldn't be a sixtieth. In other words, the meat is <laughs> the meat is not sixty-first uh, or one sixty-first of the milk. The meat is only one fifty-ninth or one fifty-eighth, and it's in the boiling container of milk. So now, even though if you would taste it, you would not taste the difference because and nobody would able to be able to taste that it tastes a little meaty, this milk. <laughs> but since in halacha, at that moment, you see what's happening, because we know, right? Because at that moment, when he's putting the meat in, you can tell, we know it's less than shishim, and we know the halacha is, even if it doesn't taste any different, we know that if there's not that ratio, that that milk is also. So even though later you pour more milk in, and it becomes and it becomes bottle, but the milk obviously is also. And you can't say, oh, it's a hesek shenomikar. So the same thing, Rabbi Gross and Rabbi Daskal were saying is for our friend in the catering at the catering hall. So even though later he poured the other tina in, when he put and they couldn't find it, 
But once that started, that's already called a Hezek Nikar. And as a Hezek Nikar, uh, you can't you can't claim, well, I, I don't really have to pay, and it's only Bidei Shamayim, and etc. Yes? All right, so it, it, it seems like a little different. He, he didn't put the bug in, in the, in the Tachina originally. Right. It was there. Yes. So we're faulting him for not taking it out. Right. And that's really what they said. Nira Midvar, Shabinidam Didon, who has a Nikar. So he can't just claim, hey, I, I could have given you back the thing and nobody would have been the wiser. That's considered an essential damage. It's not considered one of these religious damages. It's considered a damage that was clear. Because we do live in a... It's not, put it this way. The idea of Hezekshan or Nikar isn't, if it's all about religion, it doesn't count. It means, that's what Rabbi Orabach is saying, it means if originally when the events occur, there's no way to sense what really happened other than secret knowledge then you can't be held liable for that. And a showmare might say, hey, I, I can just return it to nobody would have been the wiser. But if at the moment that it occurred, like here, like uh, Rosh Hashanah also talks about a case where you uh, you are told to um, keep your, 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 like the Isra of Klein, of two, uh, two um, types of, <laughs> you have grain, you have, a, you have wheat or, or barley growing with, uh, with 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 grapevines together, so if you allow that, if you if, we, if the if the fence breaks, and we can see your grapes growing over there, and you refuse to uh, erect the fence, and stuff and, and the wheat still grows, so we say that if the wheat continues to grow one two hundredth of what it was before, then you can't eat any of that uh, any of that material. Now the guy really, what did he do? Well, what he did was he didn't uh, he, he didn't uh, take he didn't put up the wall the way he should have. And at that moment, you can see, even though it's a halachic reality, but anybody can come and see that there's grapes growing there. They can see the the wheat growing here. You're not going to tell me that's a hesed shein nikar, because even though it's a halachic hesed, right? But it's nikar at that moment. Everybody who knows Jewish law knows that milk and meat can't be together. Anybody who knows Jewish law knows that if grapes are growing here and wheat is growing here, they need to be separate. So that's, you can't claim, hey, the same thing is true. When you have a bug in material, that ostracizes it. Now, the only thing is, is that... So he was only wrong by putting in additional tahina. That's right. Right. So, he says, even this, he says, and at the end, they gave him a slap on the wrist. They said, really, that would be if you'd be a shogun. I, I think you might even be amazing. Because even though you're saying, I thought it was mutter, you know what it is? Shkogos Talmud Olazodom. Good principle for you to hear also, Shabi. That Shkogos Talmud Olazodom. you got to learn. And if you didn't learn, you can't say, well, I never learned that. Our responsibility is to constantly learn. That's one of the reasons we come here. But we always have to be learning. If you didn't learn, you, that turns things, then you're like a bull in a china shop, uh, whether it's a shop or whatever it is. So therefore, uh, you work. You, there is a mashkiach there. And the word is missing here. And you don't know the laws of taruvos. You didn't take a test in that. You just been working in the catering company. You hear what the rabbis are saying. Visomech al binoso umisatzel lizrok eshav. What's the letter that's missing here, Pachi? 
What letters do you say? Sasharet, right? Lizrak es asar. You don't want to throw the prince out. Okay, you don't want to throw the sherets out. Posheya who umezit. it. So therefore, okay, I was lately we have a prince who's kind of uh, yeah, he's kind of won't get political. Yeah. Even if you want to say it's a hezek nikar, we can still make you pay because don't tell me you're an Imer Mutter in this case. Don't say, oh, I thought it was okay. When you work, again, you don't have smicha. You didn't work, you didn't, get, you didn't pass the test from Rabbi Goldberg. You're just the guy who's working here. So don't say, I thought it was Mutter. Your job is to wait for the Mashkiach or to pick it out yourself. So therefore, he feels that halacha. If you want to do the right thing, pay him back for the trinum. That's case number one. Here's the second case. We have a couple. We have, we have about ten minutes. So here's the second case. The second case I call. Let's see. Let's go back to the uh, what happened. I called it the case of the chivalrous shochen. I had another name for it too, which I thought of one in the morning. So you have to be mochami. What was the other name for it? I had another name for it. Oh yeah. Um, Let's take a look. Go away. Okay, so one second. Let's go to that other case. Here we go. Hello. Okay, the other case was the case of the crooked consortium. I knew I, I like alliterations. The case of the crooked consortium and the chivalrous shachay. So this is an actual case, and this actually comes from the great Sadik uh, Rebel Yashiv and his son in law, uh, Reb Silberstein. So let's check that out. So that is the case of the group of insertion. Okay, so here was the case. All right, I don't know what city it happened, but pick your city in Eretz Yisrael. Maybe it's even, you know, pick Los Angeles. It could have happened there, too. Happened <laughs> yes. Here's our chivalrous The middle of the night, here's some noise. Something's going on. It's the middle of the night. What's going on in that store? What's going on in that super song next door? Well, what's all this business at three in the morning? Who you rob me, Beto? So, yeah. Mr. Kravitz goes down. What's happening? What's going on there? And what does he see? He sees, I think, a Masayit. What is that? A truck? A truck. Right? A big loading truck comes. And then what does it got? Yes. How does he know? Okay. I would assume that he sees it says Purdue. Ba, ba, ba. It says Strafe. It says Frank, Frank Purdue, Oscar Mayer. Okay, you know? Okay. Right? Right. And they're unloading it and unloading it. And he sees that there's still stuff left in the truck. It's a huge uh, uh, 18-wheeler. He's on his way to some other Jewish store. Wow. Should he now make the vow? Should he go into what? Should Mafar said, hey, the Super Saw, whatever store you want to call it, you know, Rouse, Oh, you know what they're doing? They're selling the Beilot. They're putting a kosher symbols on it. Which, by the way, for my Goldberg this year, we shall even tell you, it happened all the time. Uh, it happened all the time in the old days. That's what people used to do. And a lot of these uh, kosher butchers, they would actually do that. And as you can say, it happened in Mansi. These are things that happen all the time. Because the, the, the Parnassa becomes like this. So this is a way that people feel that they can make their overheads. So now, should I go... And, and, and ring the fire bell. 
Or maybe our chivalrous Shachem says, hey, I'm going to be a gumshoe here. Maybe I'll just tell maybe one or two people and we're going to maybe, I, I, I'm going to find that truck and we'll find out who else is involved. Let him come again. Then we're going to get in our little uh, Mazda and follow it. We'll find that whole evil consortium and we'll see that it's this Super Sal and this Ralphs and this Shabbat and they're all together and all the Chaniot and we're going to be able to save so many people because there's probably a lot of people involved over here. Maybe we should wait. So... Well, so again, here's the thing. If you go right now and you make sure that the super sal is out of business, so met, or anybody in this neighborhood, we're going to close him down, and the people that kept on shopping there will now go to a kosher store. But that's not going to stop the consortium. There's still that board, there's still that board set truck, there's still that truck that's delivering to other places in the middle of the night, and who knows what's going to happen. They're just going to be a little bit sneakier now, and he's not going to be able to find them. Because they are going to basically forget it, but they're going to call it a, a loss, the supersol, and they're just going to still do their ugly deeds, and we got to try to root them out. So, however, even though the you know you get your best reports, you get your Woodward and Bernstein on them, but in the meantime, what's going to happen? People in the supersol will still be eating trace because you can't because if, if you say what's going on, they're going to know and they're going to be careful. So maybe what we got to do act as like we don't know in order to to find and and, and, and do the sting opera, whatever it is, to, to get the big operation done. Is there such a thing as butthole, though? In other words, if they have rove uh, kosher meat and they have, you know, less... Good question. Meat. Good question. Uh, in other words, the person buying them could assume that, let's say, you know, is every single thing in the store a trade? Or did he just... A pen in this store. Good question. That's a good question. That would be a good question if you now bought from that store. Would no, you, for, no, for this person's decision. No, for, for, for this person's decision. In other words, if you could assume rove, then maybe you wouldn't have to publicize it right away. Well, halacha is if we find out somebody has been selling trade, we we set up, we, we shut him down. That's the halacha. Now, even though not everything he sells is trade, so we definitely have to shut him down. Your question is for the person buying in the store. That's right. For the person buying this, right? So, the, right. That's another question. Does, can you get your money back? Do you have to kasher your kalim? Right. Do you have to do tshuva for the tim to malay? I mean, we'll do that. But when the person's deciding whether to publicize right away or to, you're right. You're right. There's. It's not like everyone's mamish eating trays, but there definitely will be some that will eat trays. Right. So that's the question. Do we say I'm going to sacrifice those people who are going to eat trays for the greater good of exposing this uh, this consortium? So. They, is Rav Zilberstein who, connect, who who developed this question and asked his father-in-law Rav Eliashev said like this well we know the Gemara says in Moe which means that we know if there is a person who has died in a certain area we indicate that that's where it occurred uh, this way Kohanim and other people don't walk there and they know they take the long way around we put symbols line symbols of a certain color that people know don't go here if you're a Kohen so Abaya says, because it's with Meir, as otherwise, if they'll discover it, they're, they're going to have to, if they're a Kohen, they're going to have to burn the stuff that they had, the Truma. So the Morris says, though, if what we have here is just the minimum amount, just the Kazayat, we have just the minimum amount 
of, of, of material that a Kohen can't be on. So there, uh, the Gemara says, we don't put the symbol on. Why? Because, as our pub explains, because probably within a couple of weeks, it will not be sufficient, uh, the amount in there won't be sufficient to be a problem. So even though it's true that till a couple of weeks occur, there might be Kohanim that are going to walk over there, and when those Kohanim walk there, the, they have basically made their truma time, and they would probably have to destroy their truma, and what they did was probably wrong, but it's better if we keep a sign on there, the sign, till we can come back and eradicate the sign, there's going to be a whole bunch of people walking there who think there, there's a, 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 a mace there, and there isn't. In other words, for the next two weeks, three weeks, there's probably a, a, an amount of, of a dead body that would be a problem. But beyond that, it, 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 we can assume that it shrunk to the size that there isn't an issue anymore. And having the, the tzion will actually cause more problems because people will assume that there was real tumor there when three weeks later there isn't, and they're going to end up burning stuff. So even though we're taking a loss now, that this was the parallel. So even though now we definitely have people that are going to be, in a way, eating truma when they shouldn't, people who should have burnt their truma, people who became tame when they could have avoided it, but at least we actually, for the future, we save more people. So in the same way, the question was, even though there's people who might be eating trade now, but if we wait, in the future it might be better. So but Rabbi Yashiv did not like this parallel. It's, a, it's sort of, as you can already tell, it's not an exact parallel. And Rabbi Yashiv said the following. <coughs> and let's see. So he said, We've got to right away tell people that Super Saul is selling trade. We need to tell people for the people in that town, whatever it is, we've got to stop you. You can't start making a sort of, well, you know what, there's going to be more Averot. Here is probably a percentage of Averot will be about, you know, 100 people. If we let these 100 people do these Averot, I'm going to save 100, 1,000 people if we discover it. He says, you don't make such cheshbonot in Averot. You don't say, well, let you do this Averot because I can maybe save you uh, people later on. We have a problem here, we deal with it. Don't Even though, well, religiously we save more people in the future, that's not the way we work. We, we, we deal with the problem and we know about it. We don't work behind the scenes and say, well, we didn't tell you about it because we figured it'd be better because uh, now we were able to discover everyone. When, when, there's a give up, when something's wrong, you shoot into it and, and you eliminate it. Even though, unfortunately, there's a bunch of Bali Avera that we couldn't catch, that's not the cheshbon that we take in Kashmir, or in general, <clears throat> towards helping people to, to achieve religious, a religious life. We don't play God behind the scenes and say, okay, we're going to keep you in the dark. He says, even the Gemara Kotan, there, first of all, you don't even know if anybody is going to step onto this area. It's, it's an area somewhere in the woods, and the question is, should I put uh, a mark in here? You don't even know if a Cohen's going to come there. You don't even know if uh, if he's going to come and, and he's going to eat have true with him that should have been burnt or something else. So therefore, there's a shosh. So therefore, you could say, hmm, 
you know what? Uh, let's not put it there because in a couple weeks it won't be a problem anyway. But over here, we know people, firm Jews are going to Supersol every day. They're buying stuff there. There's going to be some trade that people are going to eat. Again, I think if I would have taken a poll, I think most of you would have probably agreed with Rabbi Yashin in the first place. Uh, I don't know. What do you, again, we have to stop here uh, because I promise. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.